This episode was brought to you by the Wizardry Foundry and the Grimoire Deck Box. Display your allegiance to the magic color that represents all that is good and fair, white. Pre-order the new Grimoire Righteous for a special discount, or get a set of adjustable dividers for free. Use the code MMCASTAPR1 when you pre-order the new Grimoire Righteous. By using the code, you get a chance to win a customized Pandora deck box. This special early word promo is for limited slots only, so hurry and head over their way. Their website is www.wizardryfoundry.com. That's www.wizardryfoundry.com. And one more time, use the code MMCASTAPR1 when you pre-order the new Grimoire Righteous. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Having a good time on the couch. Yeah, this couch today. We're still moving couch. around places. Yeah. We got like a building now that we're going to record it, yep. but we're working on building things. We're working on video stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah trying to get that set We up. hit the video stream, so we're going to do video streams now yeah, on we, Patreon. $500 a month you guys have decided to give us to make video content, and yeah. now we have to follow through on the promise. So we're going to live stream some videos. We're going to come up with some other cool stuff. Get ready. Yeah, and it's a thing it's, we're doing. It's and time of the season. Yeah, and it's cool. It's exciting that we have more now. <laughs> now we have to push forward and figure out how to do that, and we're in the process of doing that. So uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, welcome to the podcast. We're on yeah. Twitter. Um, I'm Kess Wiley, at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. And we're at the OwnCast. Yeah, you and, and you know what? I'm gonna, this, is a, this is a plug at the front. I never do this for this show, but we have our 50th episode of Action Movie Anatomy, my action movie podcast, yeah. on Wednesday. You're plugging your show. Yeah, cool. Live at 3 o'clock, and we're doing The Rock. Welcome to the Rock. Okay. Which is like the greatest. So if you guys like that, it's called Action Movie Anatomy. We're streaming live at 3 p.m. on Wednesday. Cool. Anyway, sorry, I just stole that. Like the Rock. The Did, Rock. Didn't like G- Shyamalan or some terrible person write that movie? Uh, the Rock is written by I can't remember. Some I thought either someone amazing or oh 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 isn't like Christopher Nolan direct? No no. Wrote so it? It's definitely directed by Michael Bay. Um, oh, it's Michael. Okay, maybe yeah. that's it. Michael it's Bay. Michael Bay. I thought I'm going to look it up while we talk. All right. So beyond that, finishing off plugs. Yes. The command zone. Yep. Check out our sister podcast. podcast. They're the best. Rocketjump. Do all the commander content. And also, we have a Patreon. We do. We talked about it because we're now at five hundred dollars. It's great. Yeah. Like, and for those who don't know, like we're doing this pretty much out of pocket. We we don't really have now with help from Patreon, we're able to do some cooler things. Um, but we kind of take our time out of our schedules. Uh, you're gainfully unemployed. <laughs> so, and I'm at my own startup that is also not technically paying me anything. I guess right. it's paying me enough to survive. But um, yeah, so w- your help is so appreciated. Yes. You it, guys have no idea. It is helpful. Uh, not only do we appreciate it from like, oh my God, people like us enough to give us some amount of money, but we also appreciate it because we're using it to yes survive making the time to <laughs> make like, this to, podcast to happen do this when we're both like trying to trying to like crush it in our entrepreneurial lives as much as we are um trying trying operative word yeah. is uh we love it and we want to keep doing it and it's, just, it's very helpful even the small amount so we, all all of you by the time you're listening to this 
should have your playmats that you, if you're Swagbacks members, except unless in the case of your international, in which case you got an email from me, we're going to be sending out the first and second month together. Because um, international people are far and it's expensive yeah, to ship you. Yeah, a bunch of stuff to Australia costs money, so <laughs> we got to do that correctly. Yep. Um, but the rest of you, if you're wondering where it is, like any day, legitimately any day, um, and when you do get it, just you know, snap a picture and put it on Twitter. Uh, I guess one official announcement for the Patreon, because I do want to make this. Um, from n Moving now, and we promise this, so for the people that have donated up to this point, this will it'll work how the old system was. So the old system for the swag box level yep. was the first month you donated, you would get the Masters of Honor playmat. And then from that subsequent month, you'd get whatever that month would be. Right. Um, and we've realized it's probably more exciting because we hope we can come up with cool ideas for every month that whatever month you join, you'll just get the cool thing for that month. And that also allows us to kind of mix up the playmat as things go on. So like right now, the people that got the playmat for the first month and the, the up to this point, will get the Masters of Modern with the black background and the, our logo text and it looks really classy um but you know sometimes in the future we might get some cool artists to do a sweet drawing of me and ben punching bears in the face yeah. or some other awesome thing and so we would want to do a playmat of that and we you know we wouldn't want to make it so the people that have gotten playmats already to not get the new one so it, we're just going to rotate whatever month you join you get the that most recent patreon reward yes and um, uh yeah, that is how that is going to work. There's probably several of you, I know there are several of you that have paid the $10 level and have the option to send in an audio message for us to read on the podcast. And we've read one, but there's a couple others that you guys need to still do that if you want to take advantage of your Patreon level. Obviously, no obligation, but you have the option if you'd like to. So send us your your funny message and we'll, we'll play it on the podcast. You'll get to speak to the podcast. Um, so I think it was just that Michael Bay directed a good movie. Well, The Rock is like... Being The Rock. Not even really good. Have you heard the the theory that the I mean, this is way front loaded, and we should maybe talk about this maybe towards the end. But the Rock, there's a theory that the Rock is actually a James Bond movie. Uh, no, that doesn't surprise me. That's really awesome that he's James Bond. Yeah, it was the plot is that he yeah he's James Bond and like because you know he's in the Rock in the beginning and then he yeah. escapes and he's coming back to get back in the Rock. Well, the time that he was in the Rock kind of fits timeline wise at the exact time where Sean Connery left being James Bond yeah, yeah. and then came back afterwards. Yeah. So the theory is that while he was not James Bond, well, he didn't ever come back. Yeah, Jim, he left for two movies. What's his face filled in as James Bond, and then the, uh, then Sean Connery was James Bond Roger again. Moore? Yeah, I think so. I'm not uh, my James Bond knowledge of well, the your, exact. Your James years Bond are mixing really up well. a little bit here, but that's a sweet theory. Let's talk. Let's in fact. Yeah, let's do that at the end. Let's make The Rock our uh, few minutes to talk at the end of the episode. Okay, well, I've never actually seen the movie. Have you never watched <laughs> The Rock? <laughs> never. Well, we'll get there. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about. We'll talk about like stuff in our lives at the yeah. end. All right, okay. cool. So on to stuff. On the Magic Lives, yeah. SCG, Star City Games, did two modern tournaments. The uh, Invitational, the Classic. I actually have no idea what the difference between them is. My guess is that the Invitational <laughs> you have to get invited to. That's, yeah. Well, the Invitational by is... By title. <laughs> the Invitational is their big... That's like, just their, their Pro Tour-ish. Yeah, I think there's four, three or four a year or something like okay. that. Okay. I've, I've, honestly, guys, I've only ever played in one SCG event. It's just, it's they're super, super big. I played like in a few, but I only played in the ones that were went back when there was, like, Legacy every Sunday, no matter what, and Standard yeah. every Saturday. Well, they're also, like, they're very big in, like, Virginia, and they're, like, very big over there. But, like, over here in L.A., we get we get the event, but then we don't really get much else. Like, it's it's not really... Like the, we don't we don't interact on a face to face. It's hard to level. get to invitational stuff, so it's hard to be motivated because yeah. the EV is low because we're not going to be able to go more than one SCG event a year. Right, we just don't interact. Um, with a lot of but the other, and then I, I'm pretty sure a classic is just anyone can show up. Yes, would be my guess. Nah. And if we're wrong, please tweet at us. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but so two things. First off, invitational, pretty non diverse. Fifty percent abs. No, no, I think that's the classic. No, 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 invitational, because that was the one with the top eight. Uh, let's see. Top eight. Invitational. Yep. 
Yep, told you. So Lots three copies of, of Abzan, one other. One thing I do want to say here, though, is because especially when you look at the Invitational or the Classic, you see how this is kind of rings true. Yeah. But this was a deck that was very good before Eldrazi. Yep. This was a deck that was very good during Eldrazi. And so the people piloting that these decks have the last twin nine months of practice plus it's basically birthing pod so like this is a deck that vaguely has been around in the format a while you have a lot of practice with the deck this is the deck you know kind of how like decks from a previous standard will be good when standard rotates if they have most of their cards right. for that first week before actual people take time to try to fix the format yeah so obviously the first tournament going to be do done really well by the people playing the best deck one of the best decks before the rotation or before the banning and now one of the best decks after the banning are going to do decently yeah um then when you apply a bunch of people playing in a much bigger tournament, the format's insanely diverse. Yeah, it, is, like, it, it was interesting looking at these lists. Like You have to go down to 11th place before you get a repeat of a single deck in the top 16 of for, the the, for the Classic. It goes like Zoo won it, followed by Lantern Control at second, Abzan Company at third, Burn, Elves, Jeskai Thopter Foundry, which is the only Thopter deck to do well in either of the, hmm. the SEGs, Scapeshift, uh, which has been in the top eight of every all three all three modern events since the banning, which is one one of the reasons what's uh, what's it called um, prismatic omen, omen spiked, right? Um, Scapeshift, Mardu tokens, which is sweet. We actually had Joe Jancuck uh, on Twitter tweeting at us yesterday all the little secrets about that deck. Um, Burn again, Death Shadow Aggro, Abzan Company, Merfolk, Green Red Eldrazi. So the first time we'll see a new Eldrazi deck. Okay, decks. Looks pretty sweet. Uh, it's using the red green, um, the artifact that taps for mana. Uh, red green Eldrazi artifact taps for mana. No, it doesn't tap. It's not Eldrazi. It's a signet. It's not a signet. It's and the other. Prison? No, it's not a signet, but it's the the old signets. Talismans. Tal it's the, it's yes, red green yes, talisman. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Affinity, Scape Shift again, and Jund. So that's a pretty diverse 16. There's only three decks that saw two showings in the top 16 of that tournament. Yeah, usually the SCG events post-banning or post-unbanning are they're interesting, but they don't tell us very much. Uh, as far well, so, as so something about these events, A, generally pros don't like breaking out their tech at them. If they've yep. found something new in the format, they're going to save them for the next big tournament uh, that gets them pro points. So they're going to be more likely focusing on right. GPLA. Um, also, in general, the people, like pros don't, travel or people don't travel as far SCG events are generally people in that area other than maybe the invitational but people in that area so they're not going to be um having as much of a diversity and how much people are changing right. it and like even in the invitational like that's a format that warrants playing well and warrants picking the deck you're probably going to be best at but it doesn't warrant you locking yourself in a cabin with 30 of the best players in the world for three right. weeks and working your hardest to figure out what the format's like it's oh, I have to be good at this tournament. I'm practicing for two weeks, but I'm going to practice with the deck I'm comfortable with. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, th and I think that these, you always see with these SCG events, like you, you, people get excited usually because there's like a lot of interesting stuff or diversity or somebody will break out like some new cool tech, but it's difficult. You don't want to read into it too much as far as what the format's really going to look like, what you should be investing in. Yeah, and I think you should look at patterns. I think obviously Abzan Company is probably one of the best decks to look out for. Like that deck, should be yeah. in your gauntlet. Uh, I think the new red green Tron decks, or not Tron decks, the red green. Um, Eldrazi? No, no, no. Scapeshift decks yeah. uh, with prismatic omens and. Uh, primeval titans are something that should be in everyone's wheel because I think that's now a pillar of the format maybe right um, yeah um, one thing that's interesting is how bad Thopter Foundry did this 
over those two tournaments. People were gunning for it. I yeah, think. I mean, like it, most of these decks also are like playing white, so Stony Silence is everywhere. Yeah, I mean that's and that's definitely a problem with that. Obviously, we we you never really know. You never know in in actuality what the unbanning or the banning of a card is going to look like in modern. Um, the power level is so high in the format, and it's such a diverse format with its answers to things that like. You'd like to think that Ancestral Visions and Sword of the Meek are both like so cool and interesting that they're going to warp the format in some way. Uh, sure. You just don't know, though. It could just as easily just kind of bomb. I also think this is kind of something that happened, has happened with every unbanning. So part of the problems with unbannings, not problems because they're great, but is everyone is like, oh, that's a card everyone wants to play and will be playing. Right. So I need to make sure I guarantee a few sideboard cards like Scapeshift. When it got or, uh, when Valkyrie got unbanned, Scapeshift did nothing at that Pro Tour. It took until that summer when people kind of forgot about it and stopped playing three sideboard sewing salts or three, you know, ghost quarters out the wazoo that it started doing putting up results and being like, oh, I'm a legit deck that's a good piece of this format. And right. I think this is going to be the same here. You know, in the first couple of weeks, people are going to have weird processors to get rid of visions or remands are going to be everywhere yeah. or just graveyard hate and rest in peace like rest in peace and or stony silence that just wrecks thopter foundry right so like for the time being it's not going to do great but as soon as three weeks from now happens and people forget about how good that deck is and or aren't at, think oh it's bad then it'll just wreck a tournament and people will be like oh right we should be worried about that deck right 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 so i, I think it remains to be seen it's cool to see zoo win um that's that's always fun yeah the zoo zoo winning to me is always like i think is a healthy thing that's like to me that's like a healthy format thing because Zoo is like your is your staple aggressive creature deck in the most basic sense. Um, sure. It's it's never going to be possible for a zoo deck. I mean, I guess you could say that it was at the time it banned Green Sun Zenith, but it's it, it's highly unlikely that a zoo deck with with what this format can do would ever be so oppressive that you would have to really be worried about it taking sure, over. I agree with that. I, I think Balance we're also in the like. We now live in a format that's aggressive because it's a new format, and in new formats, aggressive decks do the best. Right. Like that's the other thing holding Thopter Foundry back. I think is that Thopter Foundry is a control deck piece card, same as Ancestral Visions, and control decks never do amazing in the first week of a format. And that's why they talked about with the unbanning. That's one of the things they, one of the reasons they did that was because they wanted they wanted to, to encourage control. Yeah. So, cool. um, speaking of which, we have we have kind of an interesting subject to talk about today. Um, and this I don't know how that segue makes sense, but <laughs> uh, control, I guess, control versus aggro. Sure. This is <laughs> kind of. So we're talking about mill. <laughs> yes. So for those of you who are like, why are you talking about mill? When has mill been good? Well, here's the reason we're talking about mill. Um, Mill's been good a few times. Well, there's, we'll a couple, that. there's a couple reasons. So the, the reason I had the idea to talk about Mill is because um, recently I have been playing Hearthstone. I've been learning Hearthstone at the same time as playing Modern and, and all that and doing this podcast. Traitor. Uh, I'm, just, I'm learning it. I think it's, it's, an, it's an interesting game. Actually, I wish I could do a good Stormtrooper voice. Yeah. I want everyone just to imagine me beating them <laughs> with a, a weird lightsaber, Stormtrooper, baton stick. Uh, as I'm learning Hearthstone, I'm realizing that as intuitive as the game is, there are still things where I'm like, this is not magic, so I have to evaluate each of the strategies as its own thing, and I have to give credit where credit's due if something's good or bad, because in magic, for me, a lot of things are kind of second nature. The idea that Mill is probably bad has always been the case. Like, very rarely is Mill good. Very rarely is it smart to go all in on Mill. The same can be said for life gain. However, in some corner cases, people have found those to be good. So the reason I thought of it is because there are still players that are getting into Modern for the first time. There are people that find this podcast because Modern is a new subject to them. So for those players... I do want to break down. What is Mill? <laughs> yeah, we, so we, the first thing we want to do is we want to talk about functionally why Mill exists. And, and the reason we're doing this, guys, is because this. 
there unless you're talking about cards that state you win the game, there are three ways to win in Magic. One of them is life loss, which is a pretty tier one strategy, I'd say. <laughs> and and these are these are inherent to the rules. So there are a bunch of ways to win. Yeah. Love cards that say you win, but these are things that without a card saying you've won the game, yeah, there can, are three ways to win. You can get someone to zero, the most tier one strategy in Magic. You can get someone to ten poison, which is a very tier one strategy in modern, uh, and it is played in one mm, deck. It's 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 played in one deck in every format. It's legal in, but I would say it's a tier one strategy in every format. Uh, and the last is in fact legacy is a deck mill, which if you don't know what that is, is where it is it is milling, uh, which is the, the common term for putting your opponent's library into their graveyard. And when they can when they have to try to draw a card and there are no cards left in their library, they lose the game. Um, they've designed cards since the beginning of Magic, starting with Millstone, which is why it's called Mill. Um, so Millstone was a card that let you very slowly put your opponent's cards into your graveyard. Into their graveyard. Um, the reason it's called Mill is because Millstone exists. Um, the ability has gotten far more aggressive over the years. Sure, because it ends up being generally a bad right. ability. Um, for whatever reason, and we'll talk about some of these reasons, milling your opponent has always been something that everyone tries. Like, I don't know a single person in the history of me playing Magic that at some point in their Magic career hasn't built a mill deck. Yep. Uh, I had one. It had two of the 3-5 Hydra, blue-black Hydra from Conflux, Nemesis I think. Reason? Yes. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> uh, this is Zendikar standard block. <laughs> um, so, uh, moving on. <laughs> Sweet. Um. But it's partly because there's generally a lot more cards in the player's deck. There are a lot of decks that actually benefit from you putting cards in their graveyard. But um, the reason it works is so Richard Garfield needed to make a mechanic, or it needed Mill to kill you, needed it so when you decked, because he needed a way to make sure the game ended, and he needed a mechanic to deal with an empty graveyard. And the easiest way he figured it is you have a 60-card deck or a 40-card deck, and so why not just you lose? Give another option for killing someone but it, it makes it so the game has an inevitability that won't last forever right because like literally magic would last forever you you could have a matchup where you can't you would never finish your game if each opponent yes never could deck so it's an out it's an out to outrageously long games um so that being said mill has never been it's 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 it attracts everybody, I guess. If you're a brewer out there, it's highly likely at some point you looked at Glimpse the Unthinkable or you looked at some card like that and you thought, oh, that's really interesting. That's, that, that could be so cool. Well, it's um, an extremely popular casual archetype, which is why Glimpse the Unthinkable is like a $25 card. Yeah, right. Um, I have definitely tried to build mill decks before. <laughs> I've taken them to modern PTQs before. <laughs> and uh, we will probably not talk about that as much today as just the general mechanics of well, how this works. We probably talk about it. Uh, <laughs> and also, we want to talk about what is good about mill, what it would take to push mill into kind of a tier one so why is, strategy. Why is mill classically bad? Mill is classically bad for the same reason that burn, uh, burn spells like Lava Spike are classically bad unless you can push them over the edge in a deck with enough redundancy to make them good. Um, and that is because they interact with a zone that does not change until it goes from 0 to 100. Uh, 0 to 100%, so to speak. So it doesn't matter if they have four cards left in their library or if they have 60. They have to have 0 or it doesn't matter. Right. The same can be said with a Lava Spike. You could play an entire deck of Lava Spikes, but if they're at 4 and they can kill you before you can get them to 1 or, to, I'm sorry, to 0, it doesn't matter. It's totally irrelevant. Right. Uh, Lava Spike specifically because and, it doesn't interact with and, anything else. And a, a small difference between the two, and the reason Burn has classically been a decent deck versus the other, yeah. is that life, ga life 
total and me losing my life total yeah. is always something that's being dealt with. And every single card in Magic is dealing with that being a factor. So do three damage to target player if I'm being aggressive in that way is more relevant. The other thing that I say would be more comparable is life gain. Because for the same reason, life, your life total doesn't matter until you're dead. Right. So with life gain, unless you're playing against a burn player, like your opponent's going to eventually try and outvalue you. Right. And because you just spent cards to just gain some life, like one white mana for gain five life, which is the new card from um, Shadowbuds and Innistrad, yeah. uh, isn't that good of a card because one mana for five life is an entire card. That card isn't worth that effect. And so your opponent's going to kill you. I Versus mean, Mill, where... I'm not going to kill my opponent until they're at zero, and every one of my cards literally does nothing to stop my opponent from killing me. Often. The best mill cards are either going to be the ones that have a high level of mill, so they're like just so above and beyond, like Gloves the Unthinkable, so, or they're um, cards that just are inc incidental mill. So like Baneslayer is an incidental life gain spell, and that makes life gain really good. Same as Sphinx's Revelation. But cards that mill someone and do something are generally would be slightly better. So like if you go just off basic rate, like let's take the two cards we mentioned here, Lava Spike versus Glimpse the Unthinkable. Um, the, the first difference is that, the first difference is obviously that one mana for three damage is a much more redundant effect than two mana for 10 cards. They've sure. printed a lot more of them. Um, but if that's the case, by the time you have cast several Glimpses, your opponent starts the game seven cards in hand, so they have 53 cards. You're getting approximately 20% of their deck for one spell, pretty much, because you're not going to win on turn three, so they will have drawn three cards. So you're getting, each time you cast Glimpse the Unthinkable, you're getting essentially around 20% or a little more than that of their deck. Sure. Um, if, in fact, there were three copies of Glimpse the Unthinkable, if there were, you could play 12 of them in a deck, well, there's, perhaps. There's, my, there's Mind Sculpt. Archive Trap, Mind Sculpt, Glimpse the Unthinkable. Breaking. On the half of breaking and entering, mills for eight. Breaking, and then you have tome scour deals uh, mills for five for one. That seems bad. It is bad. Um, that seems comparable to what the life gain five life for one. So, th so the point <laughs> of that they're the exact same card. The, the point of this is you would ha essentially have to cast glimpse the unthinkable five times to win the game. Sure, uh, maybe four if the game goes long, but in a game of modern, probably five times. You have to cast lava spike. Seven times, essentially, unless they have cracked fetches, which they probably have. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, they haven't. You have to cast. Yeah, it but seven lava, times. lava spike comes along. So, so second tier would and be cost one creatures that do this. Yeah, goblin gut is a much better creature than hedging crab. Yes. Well, yes and no. We, we yes, it is a hundred percent. It's better, <laughs> but no, it's not better if you if you hit critical mass because hedron crab is a far more unique creature to what it's trying to do in any mill deck than an aggressive two two for uh, one. Uh, unique, sure, but I, I mean, goblin guide A is probably the most aggressive creature ever printed. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's fair. And we'll get into specific cards as we get further into this. But the the premise here that we're trying to break down right away is what does the idea of milling your opponent? What does that represent in terms of clock? Why it's bad, which we discussed already. And, 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 and the, the real reason it's bad is milling your opponent never does anything to what they're doing to you. It doesn't affect the board. It doesn't affect their hand. The only zone Most that burn spells, with, yes, Lava Spike doesn't. And Lava Spike is probably the worst card out of burn decks in modern. It just is efficient for its rate. But most other cards in the deck have some other functionality or can run away with the game by itself. Right. Goblin Guy being something can run by by itself, but also could kill a 2-2 or kill like attacking into a bob and having them have to kill it so they you know don't draw any more cards is right. a decent effect um but 
when it comes down to it, most mill cards don't do anything. And or if they do something, like milling is way more of a you win or you lose. Yes. Versus burn, which is a little bit less of that because the game is so around life totals. Now, and that's on a very basic level. Now, stick around till the end of the podcast because when we get to the end of the podcast, we will be talking about specific strategies and more than that, specific cards that make mill maybe more interesting than you realize. Uh, not necessarily good, but, but certainly perhaps... So now that we've talked a bunch of crap about mill... Yeah, so the reason we're doing this is because it, you can win the game milling your opponent straight up. And, and not only that, but you can win the game by placing cards from your opponent's library into their graveyard uh, in conjunction with other effects, which is also interesting. Um, doesn't sure. really ever get talked about. And there are cards that have been printed that take severe advantage of this uh, that uh, are already good and become far better if you're doing something like this. So, um, so how uh, classically, mill has been good. So now we've talked a bunch of crap about it. Yeah. Mill has been good in three different ways. Yeah. Um, one is combo mill. So something like painter server combo where yep. you, uh, with a card grindstone. Yep. So grindstone says target opponent uh, mills. This is legacy, by the way. Yeah, legacy. Um, this is a legacy combo. Mills, uh, some amount of cards. I feel what it is. Target plays graveyard. If there are two cards of the same color, repeat this effect. Painter server makes every card in their deck the same color. They mill their whole deck out instantly. All at once, they lose. Um, unless you have Emrakul or something. <laughs> in, and, that's, and that's all in combo mill. Then you have inevitability mill, which so, is like right, lantern. So lantern control. So this is something that's been good in modern, since lantern at least. Yep. And, and in standard generally is a good control finisher in mirrors especially, where like yep. Nefalia Drownyard, for instance, uh, back in Innistrad control decks, where that was a card that just, you know, your land allowed you to kind of start putting a, a clock on your opponent where neither of you were doing anything. Um, out of, you know, Jace, five mana Jace, Right. Original five mana Jace, the one that had the mill ten ability, Jace Memory Adept, yep. another card that was a control mirror. Like control mirrors, often mill is really good, and then just generally like over time, mill has always had. It's the reason that a uh, artifact, the one mana, sack it, gain four life, and shuffle your library into your deck. Elixir of Elixir of is good in control decks as a mirror card because it just lets your deck to never run out while your opponent eventually will run out. And Lantern takes this and you know puts it on speed and makes it 10 times more where their literal game plan is to just make it so you don't do anything and you mill out your yes, deck. Yes, one of the more frustrating and boring decks to play against ever made. Yeah, but it's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> do you have Lantern uh, built? No. Uh, I probably should I have. It. I think I have most of the cards. I think okay. Yeah. I'm missing a lot of the pieces randomly. Yeah, I think I have several, I have three Lanterns maybe. Okay, that deck is sweet. I love yeah. that deck. Um, It's exactly my kind of, like, you know. Prison. Prison, yeah. Uh, and last is uh, Self Mill. Okay. So... This one we didn't really mention, but um, you, while you can always mill your opponent, you can also mill yourself. And if you build your deck in the right way, a target player, if I'm milling my own self, it could be drawing that many cards by milling. Right. If and I have enough lands that do something in the graveyard, enough creatures like Vengevine. We're not talking about the only ways that mill can be used. We're talking about the only ways that it's ever been good. Correct. Yes. So <laughs> like Dredge is the most classic example of this um sometimes reanimator but more often dredge is the one that's like all about just like i need as many cards in my graveyard as possible i'm going to keep milling myself until i get that dredge is one of the most efficient ways to do that uh other ones that have classic hedron crab which we mentioned which has the ability for whenever a land enters the battlefield target player mills three um milling yourself with hedron crab is definitely a uh, a good thing a good option because you can get lots of fenge vines or other creatures blood gas in your graveyard pretty quickly um there's also the draw card Mill two, Thoughtscour. Thoughtscour, yeah. um, and this same self mill strategy and Thoughtscour is kind of the prime example of that. Can also be used with Delve. 
Um, right. And that's what kind of like the blue, black, red Grixis decks are doing when they're playing with Tassiger, or especially when Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time were legal in the format, the Treasure Cruise decks and the um, Just Guy Ascendancy decks. Because making your making your graveyard into a resource mana-wise is extremely powerful if it can be done correctly, sure. which is why Delve is kind of just overpowered to begin with. Um, Woo! Yeah. Love that. Love the mechanic. So that bring bring uh, hashtag bring dig through time back. Yeah, I love I love dig through time. So that's how that's how mill has worked classically in power formats as a as an actual win condition. Um, yeah, like has there ever been an era where just straight up aggro mill has been a thing? And you don't mean aggro mill like I'm going to talk about aggro mill. You're talking about uh, devoted all in mill. Like, like my plan is I'm going to cast spells and creatures that mill my opponent until they are dead. Uh, not in a combo way, not in a yeah, yeah, straight up card for card. I'm trying to attrition my opponent out and hopefully their deck eventually goes away. Rate. But like I'm gonna plus glimpse of the natural hedge and crab archive trap <laughs> to get them to zero. Uh, I don't think it's ever been good. And the funny thing is they continue to try to print they continue to try to print this rate and push the rate, um, which leads me to believe that eventually it actually will. Eventually that there will actually be a way to do this. It's I think it's pretty pretty close now because the, just the last couple of years so breaking is the second best rate that's ever been printed for two and that was just like two years ago or something like that because um, you get eight cards for sure, two sure, 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 sure. so you have ten is the best ever for two well mind sculpt which is seven for two which is also still pretty high still it was pretty, pretty recent so those those would be the three I still think mind sculpt is not quite good enough the other thing is that those all costing two is a problem sure um, you really to, to, for all in mill to work you would need something more powerful than uh, th- a tome scour at one for five and yeah. also or you would need to more consistently be able to make archive trap work now archive trap states uh it is a trap for blue blue three target player is it target opponent or target player i think it's target opponent because i think type of target player people would use it on themselves yeah it's target opponent um if they search their library you can cast, cast it, it for, for zero. zero it's a five mana spell normally and they mill 13 cards yeah target opponent puts the top 13 cards of his or graveyard yeah. into his or her library which is supposed to be obviously flavor wise uh, um, if that card's already not over closer to ten dollars i'd actually say that that card is probably so something that to know about this kind of me- and i've mentioned it before $6, but like 61 cents. casuals love mill strategies yeah and i mentioned everyone kind of starts out thinking oh that's a cool way to win i can do that there's the right card standard always has like enough mill cards where you can put together a mill deck it's just never good (laughs) right um yeah so i think i think the rate is getting dangerously close to there being an actual deck here um there's a couple things that hold it back though so number one in modern there's an emerald strategy that that's a problem there's a deck that plays emerald not Um, as much as there used to be yeah and i remember tron being gone definitely helps or Ayavugan being no longer in the format definitely helps. Helps the mill deck. Helps the mill deck. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about mill decks is that you, because of surgical extraction being a legal card in modern, um, some of the decks, you're able to mill them on turn one or two, see what they're playing, um, and actually s- extract a major part of their so strategy. So the surgical extraction and or um, extirpate, which are cards that say... Exile target card in a graveyard and then search your opponent's hand, graveyard, and library. and library for cards of the same name and exile those as well. So this is generally very good against combo. The best I've ever seen this used was Zach Elsick when he won with Lantern Control. Yeah. He got the Scalding Turn out of the graveyard and got, th- I think, two Scalding Turns yeah. out of their hand and just, like, wrecked his but opponent. And then, Frank Leopold get, uh, didn't he at the Pro Tour do, like... He's just like he just like natural the collected company and hit the collected company in the person's hand. 
Like, he just guessed it. He had no oh, information maybe. at all. And it was just, the, or he already got two collected companies. It was, like, so brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, th- so that's, like, an interesting way you can use you can use mill. But uh, in any case, yeah, I don't think that there has ever been an all-in mill spell. I mean, so there's also, the other cards we're forgetting that would, that would go into that all-in strategy are uh, uh, Mind Funeral, which is blue, black, one, uh, target player. Sure. And I, this card's always interesting because it doesn't, really get there most of the time it's i think it's target player puts cards from the top of his library into his or her graveyard until he hits four land cards so you can hit more than 10 but usually you hit like something like right in like the seven or eight or nine range sure so it's just like a little worse than the others at three i think it just gets like not good um and then you, you can kind of go in with like snapcasters if you want to try to like double up on your spells yeah, i like snapcaster major than those just because you like two it's a blocker. using it it's a blocker but you also get your glimpse in thinkable is back yeah um, Jace also probably seems pretty decent in oh, this Jace deck because you now. can I forgot about you can that. flash back the spells and they're gonna that actually adds a lot to this deck. I didn't think about that. That's... You get the loot and get the things you need. Yeah, that's actually really protect clever. yourself if you flip it. Yeah. God bless you, Excuse Ben. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> so uh, so anyway, that is that is like sort of the what the the general idea of all in mill. And if we, well, I'm sure we'll revisit that idea a little bit here as as we continue to go forward. But. Uh, um, so that we discussed self mill, yep. which is going to be dread strategies. We discussed. So then, what? So the one thing that people are forgetting is 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 cards that take advantage of the process of cards being placed into their graveyard, or how many cards are in their graveyard. So that's that's like the that's like the strategy of mill that like doesn't get discussed as much. So for instance, cards like Jace's Phantasm. It's a one one flyer for one that if an opponent has ten or more cards in their graveyard, he becomes a five five flyer. Um, Obviously, there's a you know the the dream draw there is turn one phantasm turn two glimpse attack for five so that's like right built into a strategy where you get a five five fire sure. on turn two. Um, obviously, cards like Tarmogoyf already become very good if the graveyard is full of cards. This just makes Tarmogoyf better. It just makes your Tarmogoyf probably most of yeah, the time. Yeah, it makes it decent. But like, I guess with the Tarmogoyf plan, who cares? Your card from Tarmogoyf is already, already good. good. Uh, like, and th- when it comes to self mill strategies, this is where more I find interesting cards. So like. Um, I think Night of the Reliquary is an underlooked self-mill strategy card. Yeah. Uh, just because when you self-mill, you have lands in your deck. <laughs> yeah. And those lands in your deck are now going to be yeah. in your graveyard making, like, casting a turn three Night of the Reliquary yeah, like as a 5-5 five, five at a minimum. Like, and sometimes it's like an 8-8 eight, eight is insane. Yeah, like, I mean, if you turn to uh, Glimpse yourself and, like, your crazy five-color... Or even, like, a, just a more often one is, like, the Hedron Craft Hedron plan. Crab, which yeah. the, or, or even Satire. satire. Seder, Seder, Seder Wayfinder, Seder Wayfinder. <laughs> um, I don't think Wayfinder. I'm ever going to say that card, and then we're going to talk about how I should correctly <laughs> say it. <laughs> uh, satirical Wayfinder, uh, who who um, you look at the top five cards of your library, put a land in your hand, and put the four in the in the graveyard. Yeah. Uh, really good with Night of the Reliquary. Really good with cards like I actually think another self mill card that's really underrated right now is um, uh, Splinter Freight. Yeah, that card's good. So this is a green for two colorless for an XX that is. His power and toughness is equal to how many creatures in your graveyard, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, you mill two more cards every turn. So he self grows. Yep. Um, the key is that he has trample. Yes, that this, it's it's actually one of the reasons he's good, and Ghoul Tree is not because no matter how quickly you can get a Ghoul Tree on the table, it's just a ten ten. Right. That doesn't like, can't get through. Like tokens just block it. Like a a, a, th- a three drop eight eight that has trample. Yeah. Should see more play. Yeah, because a ghoul tree could very easily be a ten ten on turn three. Like, right. would not be very hard. Um, but it's just it's just a ten ten that doesn't block. That's the other problem with. Uh, there's the two drop version of this, which is the um, bone worm, boneyard worm, boneyard yeah. worm, which is also not good because it, 
it doesn't have trample. Like yeah. the fact that it has evasion is an insane ability on a big creature. Which is yeah, that, and that's ultimately the reason that I think that, that the phantasm is good. So, but so the other cards that go into the phantasm strategy of like of doing things as cards are placed into their graveyard. Minecrank. Minecrank's the combo one. So obviously, dust, everybody knows Duskmantle, Guildmage, and Minecrank, or I think most people know um, Duskmantle, Guildmage, and Minecrank, or or Bloodchief Ascension and Minecrank. Sure. Um, were the two cards together that essentially state it sets up an infinite combo where. Every time a card is placed in your opponent's graveyard, they lose one life. Whenever they lose one life, a card is placed in their graveyard. So it just loops and they die. Right. Um, and that's awesome. It's not a strategy that has ever been able to pull out of the depths of crap. Uh, I've looked at it. It's it's just too hard to play a card like Minecrank in a modern deck. It's too bad of a mm -hmm. card. Um, and it's a creature-driven strategy that's like very easy right. to thwart. Um, I think actually uh, sort of uh, Body and Mind, body and mind is a, a card one. to really yeah. look at right now. And and the the mill strategy here is kind of similar to how the um, attrition mill strategy works. Yeah. Where you're going to incidentally win off of it, and that's fine and yeah. great. But it's more important because it has protection from blue and green, yeah. which are the biggest ground pounders out there. So you have protection from Tarmogoyf, yep. and you have protection from Thopters. Yep. And and Snapcaster Mage and Jace or whatever. So being having protection from those cards is really strong right now. Yeah. And like for a while there. Um, it was the best legacy sword because yeah. it had protection from Tarmogoyf and it had protection from Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah. And those are the two most important things that that in that in that period that were important to have. And we're back into that era yeah. um, or a similar era. So I think it's a really interesting card that people aren't looking at hard enough. Especially if you were to pair it with like the cards we're talking about. If you were to put if you were to put that into with Phantasm, it's good. It's good with uh, with um, memory. Not memory adept. Uh, Vryn's Prodigy because sure. it's a zero. It's same with Hedron Crab. These are all creatures that are small well, but and get yeah, better. What's interesting, like it's really interesting to me with like stuff like Hedron Crab or even like just in and what's out of pure mill strategies, but into like con, like blue, red, red, Jeskai or something like that, where right. an equipment is going to see play a little bit more often is with um, Jace because Jace is a zero two, especially if you don't want to flip him. Yeah, equipping this a two two that's getting you a two two every turn isn't going to kill your opponent that quickly. Two four, a two four. No, no, but you get a 2-2 because of the wolf. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Is, isn't going to kill your opponent that quickly. But the mill off of that fact is. Yeah. And, and that's kind of also the problem with mill classically, especially when attack to attack triggers. So that's where, you know, lifelink has always been how life gain got good. Right. Is when life gain got attacked, attached to damage because it's keeping you alive while you're doing damage to them. Mill is always like, well, you're just, the damage you're doing to them is probably just better than the mill you're doing. Yeah. Well, and also, also though, the issue with the strategy we're talking about is that if you're going to work really hard to spend eight or 12 of the spell slots in your deck to aggressive mill cards to make your creatures better, your opponent's going to be doing something better because your eight to 12 mill cards need to be interactive cards or they need to be all-in aggro cards. They can't just only serve the purpose of making your creatures better. It's like right. you're trying to jump through too many hoops. Like another great example of, of cards in the same family of what you're talking about is like the card Nihilith, uh, which is a, a suspend card from Time Spiral, which is a 4-4 four, four fear for I think six mana, but its suspend cost is black and one. And whenever a card is placed in an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, remove a counter. So just like suspend cards, any creature that comes off has haste, he ends up being a suspend on turn two, and then pretty much any mill spell that I'm going to play in my deck makes him a 4-4 four, four haste fear on turn three. Um, perfectly reasonable rate. Sure. But you have to spend a card to get the value. Yeah, so it's almost saying, would you cast a three mana, or e even like a, a, a two mana and then upkeep? You know, what's, the, what's the upkeep cost? Uh, what, cumulative upkeep? No, 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 where if you... Um, you pay something on this turn, the next turn you have to pay it again or pay something else to keep it alive. Echo? Echo. Would you pay a two-mana Echo for two? Echo is three? Uh, no, Echo is two. 
Um, oh, I see. But you have to discard a card with that echo for a 4 4 haste. Okay, so two mana. Not intimidates. It's a uh, fear, but it's almost same. sure. Yeah, two mana for a fear, but two mana echo, two mana discard a card. For the f- well, the one thing you are forgetting though is that it's exiled when you suspend it. They can't kill it the turn you play it, so it's it is different because they. It's okay, so it's it's a it's a okay, so it's a suspend card, but like it basically is saying you have to discard a yeah. card. Yeah, uh, probably not, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. But that's still better than this. That's still better than this because you still have to have the correct card. In sure, your sure, 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 sure. So that or a, or a white of precinct six is another interesting one. Yeah, um, where it has power. It's like a it's the boneyard worm for your opponent. Yeah, again, it's one of those things where you play it on turn two and you play a glimpse on turn three, or you get your value off of your hedron crab, and it probably is a five five or something like that. This is my problem with like Jace's phantasm, where it's like if I'm aggro milling someone, I better be killing them through mill. If I'm if I'm trying to aggro mill them, but also aggro them with creatures while I'm milling them, that always feels so ADD and not you're too you're too diverse in a way that neither side's going to actually kill them. Well, okay, so then here's the here's the one last piece of tech here that like I think is an interesting way to look at this, and I, this is this is the most to me this is the most interesting of all of these, uh, and I've never been able to build something that I liked, but the same card we talked about, Duskmantle Guildmage. His three mana ability, which is blue, so he's a two two for two. One of the classic guild mages with two abilities. Right. Costs blue and a black. Um, his his blue black colorless ability is whenever a card is placed in an opponent's graveyard from anywhere this turn, they lose one damage. Which means if you activate that ability, crack a land or play a land. Let's let's say you let's say you activate that ability on whatever turn you and you play a fetch land with a hedron crab on the table. All of a sudden you dome your opponent for six. You cast a glimpse. You dome your opponent for 10. Uh, yeah, but that's a six mana glimpse or five mana glimpse. Either way, it's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive, but it's the, it's the sort of situation where if you have that guy on the table, they can't deal with him. Almost every single card in your deck is going to be is going to account for half their life total. Like, Sure, but how many two twos for two that have survived till turn five in modern? There's a reason I've never, make, I've never been able to make <laughs> right. this work. But it's a unique ability that takes the rate you're getting. Well, I think on the thing to look for cards. is a card that has that ability, not attached to a creature. So Which would be, that would I think that is the ability on uh, Blood Chief Ascension, I believe. Yes, but you have, then then you have to you have to jump through hoops to achieve. And it. the hoops you have to jump are the exact opposite of the mill plan. They have yeah. to lose life. They have damage hoops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Which like, is inherent in the problem with this whole strategy. Right. And I'm not I'm not saying there isn't a combo out there that 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 card will never be printed. I'd be very surprised if Wizards never prints a whenever a card is put in your opponent's graveyard they lose a life. But it'll cost four. It'll cost five or something. Sure. It'll be an enchantment. It'll, it'll take yeah. Black. It'll enchantment black and it'll be some amount of life. But one that printed that's a a, a a deal that I would be a little bit more into. Because yeah. I can see a combo control mill deck that does something like that. Also, don't forget the fact. Don't forget the fact that Visions of Beyond got printed, and like st- at the time it was printed, they hadn't started going in this level, going all in on this level of support. Visions of Beyond, for anybody that doesn't remember, is an instant for one blue draw a card. If there are twenty more cards in any player's graveyard or an opponent's graveyard, it's, it's draw three. I thought it was your graveyard. I think it's any graveyard. It might be any graveyard. Um, you keep talking. I'll look it up. Well, no, I mean, I believe it's any <sighs> graveyard. Mill is a strategy that it, I, I would also want to know. It's maddening. People want mill to be good. A graveyard. A graveyard. So people want mill to be good, but I also think mill, the moment mill is a tier one strategy, is a bad design situation. Because it's not fun. It's not interactive at all. There's like the, like so much of magic is built around me being able to stop you from doing damage to me or you trying to deal damage to me, that there's an interaction there that's good. That's good gameplay. Right. The mill mechanic is. 
you're either going to be able to kill me and I'm not going to be able to do anything against you. Uh, like zero interaction, similar to kind of how Infect works a little bit or Burn. Right. Or I'm going to just have the one or three cards that make it so you just can't do anything to me and I will no matter what win. That's like if I have an Emrakul on my sideboard, you can't beat me. Sure. I mean, you can over the few ways to kind of like have ways to jump around that hoop, but like most likely I'm beating you. Or if I'm just like Wheel of Sun and Moon. Yeah. If like Mill is a tier one strategy or a tier two strategy, like I might just run one of those in my sideboard. True story. Uh, at the PTQ years ago, this is like Modern's first PTQ season. I built the all in mill deck we're talking about. And this is before a lot of these cards were even printed. So it was like Archive Traps and glimpses and i think i was playing like mine funerals tome scour or uh, not tome, uh, uh, you were playing you were playing all eight extra paid effects yes mine sculpt wasn't printed yet like that uh, there wasn't that many sweet effects it was like hedron crabs um but the idea was that because of you twin jace's phantasm no you weren't but it didn't exist yet okay it was like the first season um so i thought jace's phantasm existed then i don't think so i'm pretty sure it didn't so okay. you would archive trap them on turn zero if you were on the draw and they cracked a fetch and then you would mill them, and if you had, if you happen to have surgical in hand, you could, you could like surgical their splinter twin from their graveyard with zero lands on the table. And that was sort of that was sort of like the the dream scenario idea with this deck. Sure, sure, sure. Hilarious, <laughs> hilariously enough, I was like, you know, two and two going into like round five, and I sit down, and the guy who saw his wheel of sun and moon against me in his main deck, because. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, he has a combo with it or something. Yeah, right? he, he was had playing like, like a four horse mini. He was playing some sort of combo with Wheel of Sun and Moon. I want to know what combo that was. It was I. I, he, I remember in the same deck he was playing. In the same deck he was playing. Um, what combo deck plays? Pure Sight Marrow and Paradise uh, Paradise Mantle, the infinite, the infinite untap uh, exile yeah, top yeah, card yeah. combo. Um, and I don't remember why he was playing Wheel of Sun and Moon. I guess it's be. I don't think it even interacts with that. But it was in his main deck. If someone knows what Wheel of Sun and Moon does in Modern, other than just bad graveyard hate, now that Rest in Peace exists, I would love to know what Wheel of Sun and Moon does. I just remember he resolved because it, it puts any time a card goes into your graveyard, yeah. it goes back. It goes to the bottom of your library. You choose a player. Okay. Yeah, oh, and he chose himself, obviously. Sure. Um, but I think it wasn't obvious because I think he, I hadn't even played any cards yet. I think he just like I was like he played it and I like hadn't shown what I was doing yet. I was like, there's no way he's going to choose himself please just like choose me because he thinks i'm trying to take advantage and he chose himself and i was like i just hate you i was like <laughs> I, this is so i just couldn't even believe it um but in any case uh so the people that don't know will summon is a, a hybrid green white and a hybrid green white for an enchantment that says pick a player anytime a card would enter that player's graveyard put it on the bottom of their library so my guess is there's some infinite loop combo he was trying to pull off where he like would mill himself yeah something. in some way and then the damage he'd mill would do some i don't know Heavily interested to see what that was about. It might have, yeah, it might have been in there so that like if he exiled all the cards in his library to get to his combo, and he had to like discard, it would like go back on the bottom of his library, and he wouldn't mill himself out. So or I did want to talk about this. So there's a deck called the Four Horsemen in Legacy. Yeah, and like this is what it kind of sounds like. So Four Horsemen's Legacy that is a deck that is banned in Legacy <laughs> purely off of rules interaction. So it has a combo that basically involves milling yourself using um, a combo involving what's the what's the artifact whenever you untap something. Oh, uh, uh, Mesmeric Orb? Mesmeric Orb. Mesmeric uh, Orb is sweet. And, uh, <laughs> and a um, Basalt Monolith. Yeah. So you can just untap and tap it infinite amount of times, and with uh, you can mill your whole deck. And you're supposed to get four... Um, just Basically, there, there's a construct of events that eventually makes it so you win. But it uses Emrakul to keep going infinite. So it can just keep cycling through its deck so it never decks itself. But... If you do the combo four times and hit Emrakul early four times in a row, right. you'll get a game loss for slow play because you've done too many actions 
without affecting the board in, in a significant way. Huh. And so you get a game loss. <laughs> Bizarre. Or you get a warning that that leads to a game loss. And so you can't play the deck in a tournament because a judge will just give you game losses by the end of the day for every match. You don't perfectly successfully pull off your combo. And it's 100% luck. Do you know that like now that we're talking about this mill deck and you mentioned uh, Rin's Prodigy, I totally forgot that Rin's Prodigy like effectively is everything you wanted out of Snapcaster Mage in, in the aggressive version of this deck, except like way better because it protects itself and also like okay, forget forget playing uh, Duskmantle Guild Mage. It doesn't work. Go go back in the all in mill strategy and play go back to the archive trap version. Happen. I'm gonna have to play against the bad mill. Go deck. back to the archive <laughs> trap version and play white so you can play Path to Exile, so you can force them to be searching so you get your free archive traps. I'm gonna love when I have Thopter Foundry in play and you mill my sword of the me. <laughs> I don't think it would matter because like you'll gain your life and like th- think about this. Like okay, so you play four, four, and four of the of the good ones. Glimpse the unthinkable, breaking, and mind sculpt. So now you have there's that's your twelve solid effects. Okay. Archive trap because it's a yeah, you format play with f- fetches. You play four archive traps. Um, so that's that's because you can discard eight, it to Jace. And you play the s- no, that's sixteen. That's your sixteen mill spells. Four paths. There's twenty. Um, eight you, extra paid effects. I don't even know if you have to play eight. You probably play like probably play four. Probably play eight. May- maybe I don't know because because with twin gone, it's not as important anymore. Um, sure. So, but the, then you play your eight, your twelve creatures: Hedron crabs, Snapcaster mages, and Jaces. So twelve. Plus twenty. Now you're at thirty-two. Basically, have to play two wraths to make sure you don't just completely die. Um, so thirty-four. You're probably playing like supreme verdicts and sure damnation. Yeah, um, supreme verdict. Yeah. Get so that's Norfolk. so. Then, like, what are you what are you missing that you that you absolutely would need to make this viable? Probably four ghost quarters. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's in the side or that's not sidebar. That's mana base. I, I'm saying there's like three. You're, more at, spell you're slots. at thirty-six. No, you're at thirty-six spots. I thought twenty plus twelve plus two. Oh, you have two land card, two spells you can play. Yeah. I'd say you just let those be flex, depending on format. I, I personally like Engineer Explosives, because then you can play the Academy Ruins Engineer Explosives game. Not bad. Um, <laughs> as just like, which is my oh, or, fave. Or you play the sword. That's, that's what you do. You play two copies. Oh, Body of mine. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't, yeah, two copies, fine. Cause I think you, two is a lot. You can throw it onto your, I mean. I would rather one? two, one, and one of the uh, Steel Shaper's Gift, which is, by the way, one of my picks for most underrated cards. Or you play one copy of Trap Maker's Snare? No. But then, if you play Steel Shepherd, you get uh, uh, some sweet sideboard cards out of it. You can play like a Batter Skull on the side, or you can play Steel Shepherd's Gift. Card sweet. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> this deck sounds sweet. It sounds so bad. It sounds, awesome. sounds so bad. Okay. So, anything else? Oh, Self Mill. I guess, I mean, we kind of talked about Self Mill. Yeah, I mean, Self Mill has been much. There's more. actually a lot more Self Mill in the format right now than people kind of consider. Well,. Gitrog came out, so there's Jund Aggro Dome, which seems sweet. For those who don't know, uh, Seismic Assault. Yep. The Dredge Land Darkmoor Salvage, which has Dredge 2 yep. for a black land that comes in the play tapped. And Gitrog, all in, pl- all in your hand and or in play, depending, goes infinite. Explain. So, Seismic Assault, in play. You play Gitrog, you have that the land in your hand. You discard the land, doing 2 damage to your opponent or a creature or whatever. Then Gitrog triggers because the land has entered the graveyard from anywhere. So you draw a card. So instead of drawing a card, you dredge Seismic Assault to your hand. Got it. Then you discard it to Seismic Assault, doing two damage to your opponent. Yeah. And then you trigger rinse off Gitrog and rinse and repeat. Oh, so it is, in fact, completely infinite. There's nothing that can stop it? or uh, Your deck being milled out before you kill them somehow. So, yeah, you just win. Yeah. Seems good. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It seems awesome. If you have to play Gitrog with Triple Red. <laughs> or just Jund. Does Jund play Triple Red? It can't, well, it's not. It, this is Jund Seismic Assault. So you're also playing probably the, like, the, what's the Helm Smasher guy? The Red Red colorless that you mill at. Countryside Crusher? Countryside Crusher. Or yeah. just, like, you're just playing Aggro Loam, but now you have Gitrog on the top. They were already playing Jund. Sweet. I feel like. Sounds fun. Uh, so then there's also, there's the um, Bridge from Below, Blue Black. I think it might be Esper. Um, just like sacrifice decks yeah. that are running like four Sedisis, Familiar, um, and all these other cool cards that like just go crazy. There's a sweet list. It has Blood Artists in the deck. Ooh, I love um, it plays, oh, it plays Rally, uh, Rally the Ancestors. So it's Rally Ancestors bridge deck that's all about just milling yourself and cycling through cards and Blood Artists yeah. and sacking them. It's sweet. Uh, what else is there? There's, you know, classic Dredgevine. So, and then Dredgevine has a bunch of different options out because of the zombies. So there's like classic zombie Dredgevine. There's Junk Dredgevine, which I've streamed a few times recently. There's Jun Dredgevine. There's Four Color Dredgevine. There's like all these different ways to build it that I don't think the correct build has come out yet. I, I definitely think Self Mill is a place that is really interesting to look at right now. Also, if you're in Self Mill, uh, you now get to use the Creature Tutor. If you're trying to get in some sort of, if you're trying to get in some sort of combo win, the new one one green Delirium card. Oh, that card's sweet. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's another thing I was thinking about if you were trying to go with any of these aggro. Like, if you were going to try to do the Dusk Metal Gledge combo, that card is sweet because your cards now mill yourself. So it's so much sweeter with Gitrog, though. No, no, it, it is. It is. I, just, I just mean that card. For any mill strategy, that card is uh, gives you added versatility, which is which is cool that didn't exist before. Um, awesome. Gitrog. Cool. So that that's kind of mill. I don't have anything else to say about it other than it exists. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's like it was, it was something I've always wanted to talk about on here just because I know we are like more like lighthearted with the cards we like. We tend to like sort of wonky stuff. And Mill, for anybody that has ever tried to get into magic as they've looked at it and they've wondered, and it's not that far in modern from being something you could try to do. I mean, obviously, in some cases, it's worked. Um, but it's, it's not something we have to revisit like ever again. But if anybody is like looking through the catalog and they're like, oh, Mill, I like Mill. What do they have to say about Mill? I think this is... Sure. I'm glad we did it. All right, so let me tell you about my rock theory. Okay. <laughs> Before we do that, because uh, you know this is a segment of the podcast that's more for people that want to listen to us talk about other stuff, uh, I want to do some of the shout-outs now. Uh, make sure to follow us on podcast or on Twitter. We're at the MMCast. Yep. We also have a Facebook. It's facebook.com slash the MMCast. Uh, once again, our Patreon, really important to us. You're really helping us out. We definitely appreciate it. Yes. Um, we're going to be doing live video streams now once a month. Um, we, we're talking actually about just jumping the gun and doing live video streams for every episode. Yeah. Um, so if you guys, I, I know s someone has mentioned that they didn't love it, but if you guys want that to happen or you think that's a cool idea, please tweet at us. We think we'd really like, we just like to hear what your thoughts are doing live video feeds. Also for the record on the Patreon, just like one last time. So we just bought a mic, like a, a relatively inexpensive mic, but still a mic that we could afford because of the Patreon. Um, so we Yeti can have something. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's the a Yeti. Yeti. It's like a USB. It's mic. actually what Josh Lee Kwai uses the command on his uh, when he's doing traveling around for yeah. his podcast when he guests on things. Yeah, uh, the Yeti's a solid mic. I mean, it's it sounds super great. But we we bought that through the podcast. And as far as like the things that we need to put in place to to get to that point where we are consistently doing video content, we, we're you know doing more shows. That's the other thing. Like we have some ideas for additional content we'd like to do. Um, it's just at the, it's at this point right now where. It would be great if we could pay a video editor. It'd be great if we could spend a little bit of money to like build a set that looked cool so like we didn't just look like there were schlubs sitting in an office building. Sure. Um, right now you'd see a white wall on a couch. Yeah, and I mean it's it's stuff that over time we will be able to do, but if you guys do want to help, it does it make a huge difference. I mean, an enormous difference and th and th those of you that have, it's absolutely amazing that you're doing it and we just wanted to thank you one more time. So, yeah. Um 
Tell me about your theory about The Rock. All right, so theory about The Rock. I was just borrowing your Humvee. So I'm going to look up while we're talking about this. I haven't seen this movie. I don't know. There's like a weird action movie block, which is really funny because you are all about them action movies. Uh, But Sean Connery. For anybody who's listening that doesn't know what The Rock is. Yeah, please explain the movie The Rock. Uh, Here is the premise of the movie. And this is also a preview for your podcast. Uh, This is so the quick background on it. Nicolas Cage won the Oscar in 1995 for Leaving Las Vegas. Those of you that think Nicolas Cage is just a complete washed up joke, there was a time when Nicolas Cage was like hotshot leading man, mid 90s. He wins the Oscar in 95 for Leaving Las Vegas, in which he plays an alcoholic who like drinks himself to death in Vegas. It's a very depressing movie, uh, very intense, indie, not a big, like, not a movie a lot of people uh, expected that year. He kind of came out of nowhere. Then, for whatever reason, he rips off his next three movies in a row, which are The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. Three of the premier He was in good Face Off? All three, yeah. I'm not, okay, he plays Caster Troy. He's, so he's three of the premier... It's funny that you know the name of a character in Face Off. He wasn't in... That was, that was John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. He's like a random side character. Who are you We're talking, talking about Nicolas Cage. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, Connery. I, I thought I yeah, sorry, Connery. I'm looking up things on the internet. Wasn't half paying attention. Uh, so he rips off these three movies and basically cements himself as like one of the action icons of our era. Um, and none of those movies are particularly like classics. They're all just like action movie classics. They're like sort of good, bad, awesomely good. Um, the Rock. The premise is he is an FBI agent who's a scientist. John uh, uh, Sean Connery was like a former like English special, you know, secret service type of deal who got arrested in the States back in like the 60s and has been imprisoned and they locked him up and threw away the key. And uh, Ed Harris plays a disgruntled former army commander who takes Alcatraz hostage with like 100 tourists or something locked up and is threatening to launch these crazy missiles and blow up San Francisco if he doesn't get paid a whole bunch of money by the U.S. government. And craziness ensues. There's a SEAL team incursion. They have to try to take the island back. Uh, and Nick Cage and Sean Connery are on the island. They have to team up to try to take down Ed Harris. It is one of the premier action movies. It is ultimately quotable. It's awesome. It's Michael Bay. It's like just a classic. And we've done this show for over a year, uh, right? Just about a year now. Uh, every Wednesday, Action Movie Anatomy. And this is episode 50, which is really exciting for us. It's one of our all-time favorites. And that will be very fun for us to do. What do you got? All right. So Sean Connery played James Bond. Yep. Until 1967. I had it. I had it. Where'd it go? Well, yeah, okay. So, All right, so he was, he was, Sean Connery was James Bond from 1962 to 1967. Then he stopped, but then he came back in 1971 and 83. Okay. And I think it was Roger Moore, based on the small skimming of a bio, and someone can tweet at me, covered for him, but then left, and then Sean Connery came back. So there was a period, he, he, he leapfrogged. Now, the theory, well, so for people to know the greater James Bond theory, uh, is that James Bond is actually not the name of the person, but the title passed down to whoever is the 007 role at that time. So either Sean Connery has died or retired or whatever, what have you. Sure. So the theory is that, you know, Roger Moore after Sean Connery was, well, we'll get into that, but like after... Moore is late 80s. There's Timothy Dalton and George Lazenby. Uh, I think Timothy Dalton's late 80s. I think he filled the void just before Pierce Brosnan came in 95. I think we're thinking George Lazenby maybe, who did the... There was one guy that did one movie, and I think that yes, might Yes, it's George Lazenby. Yeah. So, after a hiatus of one film, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, where, in which George La- Yeah, okay. So, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, George Lazenby... Okay, yeah. so let me get into the James Bond theory. All right. So, 
James Bond has been played by a bunch of people. There are two ways to look at this. One is that there's no continuity in James Bond and whatever, which kind of uh, Skyfall kind of makes that right. con- assume that's the truth. Or, which is the theory I personally like a lot more, is that James Bond is just the name that they give whoever the 007 agent is, and right. it's a different person every time, and it's just a, it's a code name, which makes sense because they're spies. Why would you be giving your real name if you're a spy to people right. when you're spying around? And then when one James Bond dies or retires, they replace it. So the theory goes... Sean Connery stops playing James Bond so George Lazenby can replace him for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. On around that exact time period is when the character that Sean Connery plays in the movie The Rock, he's originally trapped in Abs... uh, Not Abzan. (laughs) Abzkaban. Alcatraz. Alcatraz. (laughs) So the theory goes that the character Sean Connery plays is actually James Bond, is the James Bond he played. Okay. Now retired, now old, now going back for one last mission to help go back to Alcatraz Island. Sure. I mean, it's a good theory. It would be a sweeter theory if you'd ever seen the movie The Rock. Oh, I didn't come up with the theory. So I'm dodging that bullet. I think I read it on Cracked. <laughs> you need to do me a favor. Watch and The Rock. <laughs> it's episode 50. Is The Rock going to be in the movie The Rock? No. Well, then <laughs> what am I living for? You should watch The Rock. It's, sure. We've done a podcast together for a year and a half. And this is a special movie to my podcast. <laughs> do you have it? Do you own it? I do. Can you, can you lend no, it to you me? No, you need to pay $4 and rent it on Amazon. <laughs> on Amazon? Yeah. Is it on iTunes? Yeah. Okay, I'll get it on iTunes. Okay, fair. That pretty much does right. it, guys. So, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> The Rock. If you guys love The Rock, check it out. And James, a little James Bond. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. is, he's, and, he's, and he's sweet, uh, Sean Connery, in The Rock. Like, the theory that he was the formerly James Bond, he's like... He's like old, you know. He's like in his sixties in the movie or, right. or something, and he was like formerly like a badass. So yeah, the idea is he retired. Yeah, went whatever he did before after escaping Alcatraz in the Rock. So the idea is that like he went on a mission, got arrested, went to Alcatraz. They thought he was stuck in prison forever. Yeah, because Alcatraz was unescapable, and so uh, MI six replaced Sean Connery with George Lazenby, times. and then he escapes. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Sean Connery back. Yeah. All right, George Lasby, you go be some other James Bond. Yeah. You, you're a different, you're dead now. Or, George, yeah, whatever, he's gone. Yeah. And so he comes back, does his deal, and then retires. And then he comes back in The Rock. Well, he gets captured, he's still in prison in The Rock. He gets back, he gets put back in prison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah gets recaptured. Right, Watch right. the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's sweet. The timelines match up. <laughs> Makes that movie way better. You're so good. You're so satisfied. Yeah. You're like done. I don't even have to watch it. I don't even have to watch it. <laughs> uh, excellent guys. I haven't seen Her Majesty's Secret Service either. Well, yeah. You don't need to see that. That's like that's like an obscure old James Bond movie with George Lazenby. <laughs> like that's the one. He's the guy. Like Dalton. Dalton I wonder if anyone's favorite James Bond is George, George Lazenby. Lazenby. There's like three people, and none of them <laughs> on the planet, yeah. and none of them listen to this podcast. Yeah. I, th- Unless I'm mistaken, I think there are six people that have played James Bond. Is uh, there is uh, Sean Connery, George Lazenby, uh, Dalton, Roger, Roger Moore, Moore uh, Brosnan, um, Brosnan Daniel, Craig. Daniel Craig, and Woody Allen. Okay. And soon to be uh, Eggsy from uh, Kingsman. Soon to be Terry. You think, you, think you think he's getting James Bond? He was announced already. Oh, he was announced? Yeah. He's going to be playing James Bond Taren in the next Edgerton James Bond? The, the kid? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. That's... That seems made up. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, I we we talked about it on the show. I'm looking that up. Okay, we're still recording. Yeah, no, I'm looking <laughs> it up while we're recording. Uh, James Bond. James Bond announced. Just say Taron Edgerton. James Bond, Taron Edgerton. T A R O N. That's how you spell it. And now you're confused. <laughs> uh, no, that's not. We don't know that yet. 
I think so. Nope. Sure about that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because it was everywhere when I was looking at it. Nope. Hmm. Nope. So tweet at us if we're wrong. But, or if I tweet, okay. Hashtag Kessler's right. Hashtag Ben's right. Yeah, don't do that. Um, <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys, for listening. It's been great this week. Sorry for this ending. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>